0: Hey guys, hope you're having a great day. Today in Tub Talks, we're going to review the three women we did in our first series of audacious women of the Bible. Um, I wrote this book because I realized there were a lot of women that i never heard of in the Bible and a lot of women who I knew, but there were certain stories I had never heard of. And I wanted to study them and then I thought, well, if I wanted to know about them, a lot of other women probably would like to know about them as well. If you would like, you can join our Facebook group, Audacious Women of the Bible. Um, Shoot me, April Estes, a friend request and say that you want to be added to that group and we can add you. We are meeting from March 22nd to, I think it's April 29th, every Monday night at 7, online on Zoom at Eastern Standard Time. We'd love to have you. A lot of our um, listeners were not able to make it to the first one, so I thought I would just review really quickly um, what we said and, and what we learned. If you have not gotten your book yet, you can get it at Amazon. It's $12. Just type in audacious women of the Bible. You might have to put in my name, April Estes, but the books are coming fairly quickly, so it shouldn't be long before you get it. Okay, let's jump right in. The first lady we studied about was Abigail, and I have to admit, I grew up teething on the pews, but I had never heard of Abigail. Abigail, The Bible in 1 Samuel 25 describes her as sensible and beautiful. That's the first glimpse we get of her. And it immediately talks about her husband, Nabal. Nabal. Nabal? I'll call him Nabal. It said he was rich, and we're talking filthy rich, but, quote, mean and dishonest in all his dealings. So, Um, Abigail was sensible and beautiful, but she was married to a stinker. So we enter the story. We're introduced to them. And then they talk about David. Now, this is a time when David was hiding out in the wilderness from Saul. And he had been anointed king that he was going to be king one day prior But currently, he was a nomad living in the wilderness near Nabal's house. Now, it was customary for people to kind of watch over their neighbors. You know how we're neighborly to each other and we help each other out? Well, one of the customs was that David took upon himself was to make sure that no one stole Nabal's sheep. And we're talking a lot of sheep. I thought it said... See, he had over 3,000 sheep and a 1,000 goats. And they were having the sheep shearing celebration. Now this, from what I can gather, is like a time of harvest. And it was customary to have a big banquet and to celebrate all that you had reaped during, during this time. And so it was not odd for a neighbor to ask another neighbor, hey, can I join in with you? Or, hey, can you share a gift with me? And so David did that. He knew he had given um, good protection to Nabal over the years, um, free of charge. And so he made his simple request. But Nabal, again, being foolish, his name literally means foolish, said no. And he didn't just say no. "'He insulted David. "'He said, "'Who is this fellow David?' "'Nabel sneered. "'Who does the son of Jesse think he is? "'There are lots of servants who run away from their masters. "'Should I take bread and water and meat "'I've slaughtered for my shearers "'and give it to a band of outlaws "'who come from who knows where?' "'All right, that did not go over well with David. "'You can imagine. "'He not only told him no, He insulted him. He insinuated that his father, he insulted his father when he said, who does this son of Jesse think he is? So, Nabal is living up to his name. He's very foolish. David's first response was, get your swords. (laughs) He told all of his men to get his, his swords. Him and 400 of his men then set out. To And his plan was to kill Nabal and all of his men, all of his servants, perhaps everyone. So, luckily, Nabal's servant, one of Nabal's servants, hears about all of this and runs back home. And notice something interesting. He doesn't run to Nabal. He runs to Abigail. And as soon as she hears she knew time was of the essence. So without telling her husband, she told the servant to get 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, a bushel of grain, a 100 raisin cakes, and 200 fig cakes, and send them out to David and his men. But she didn't stop there. She went to meet David on the way. Now, I like this because it shows that Abigail was not only sensible She is prudent. She's a woman of action in crisis. If you're taking notes, that would be number one. Abigail is a woman of action in crisis. She sent food and drink ahead. She knew it was of no value to talk to her husband about this, but she knew time was of the essence. She didn't wring her hands. She didn't say, oh, well, I'm just a woman. I'm not allowed to get involved in this. No, not this time. She humbled herself, and it says as soon as she got to David, I guess she got off the horse and bowed low to the ground to him. So if you're taking notes, number two, she was also a humble woman. But she was also very audacious. Back in those days, and even some Jewish cultures now, women never went out without a male escort. They were always escorted with either their brother, their father, or father. Their husband. And. They never. Were allowed to talk to a man. Their husband would do the talking for him. Their brother would do the talking for him. And then the third thing was. They were never allowed. To give counsel to a man. The only time they were allowed to give counsel. Was when. It was a dire. Circumstance. An emergency. So. This lady not only went behind her husband's back and sent gifts and sent food to David's men, she also was audacious enough to go out without an escort, talk to not only a man but the future king, and she gave counsel to him. Read with me. She bowed low before him. I accept blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay attention to him. He is a fool as his name suggests, but I never even saw the messengers you sent. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies be as cursed as Nabal. Here is a present I've brought for you and your young men. Please forgive me if I've offended you. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Wow. Okay. Abigail's laying it on thick, but I think this shows her wisdom. She knows what is at stake. She's not like her husband. She realizes. What have I got to lose? I'm going to break these three customs of women. And I'm not only going to do that. I'm going to appeal to David's sense of morality. Because what else do I have to lose? This shows her wisdom. It shows that she knows David's nature and his heart. Because notice, she appeals to his sense of morality. When she says, since the Lord has kept you from murder and vengeance. It's almost as if she's reminding him in a sweet, subtle way. Um, by the way, you're about to sin big time. <laughs> and we know that David was a man after God's own heart. And this would resonate with him. It, it would perk up his radar. He would realize, oh, wait a minute. Maybe it would get him out of his angry, vengeful fog. Um, so she knows David's nature and heart. And notice that she knows the nature of men. She sends food ahead, and we're told that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Um, But she also compliments him and mentions his feats. Listen to what she says next. Even when you are chased by those who seek your life, you are safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasured pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. Hmm. When the Lord has done all he promised and made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then you won't have to carry on your conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things, please remember me. Okay, it's clear from Abigail's words, she is a woman in the know. She knew enough about David to appeal to his sense of right and wrong. And she knew his history. Notice how she appealed to his ego. How she mentioned, your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. Okay. This is a woman who knows what she's doing. A charmer. Um, so she feeds not only his body, but his ego. Very good. Um. We also see that she's brave. And it says that David accepts her offerings. Notice what he says. Thank God for your good sense, woman. Bless you for keeping me from murdering the man and carrying out vengeance with my own hands. If you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would be alive tomorrow morning. So David accepts her offerings and promised not to kill her husband. But then the story doesn't end there. The next morning she tells Nabal what she had done and it, either Nabal was so scared or he was so shocked or he was so angry we're not sure um but it says he fell into a comatose state like a stroke had a stroke and was paralyzed for 10 days before the Lord struck him dead When David hears about the events he praises God for taking vengeance on Nabal on his behalf and then he quickly sends for Abigail to become his wife. Oh, such a love story. How amazing is that? So sweet. Um, and it is recorded that as she was packing, she said, I would even be a slave to David's servants. So this woman is Twitterpated. Um, isn't that a lovely story? I can't believe I've never heard about it. Okay, in the questions that we covered in class, it says, um, why would you think that Abigail broke the traditions of women? And we talked about that. I think she realized, okay, I'm as good as dead anyway. I've got nothing to lose. I've got to go save my husband, perhaps once again, save my husband. If he is foolish, she might be in the practice of having to sweep up after him, um, as she does here okay um the next questions we had that we covered um was abigail does not try to convince david with an argument but with kind words and we thought about the verses that say a kind word deflects wrath and pleasant words are like honeycomb sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Um, One of the things I came away with was that Abigail used her female ways to create a positive outcome. She was a true peacemaker. Um, She was an intercessor. And she was also faithful. When looking at someone's character, what they do not do is as telling as what they do. So, when Abigail's husband has a stroke, and is paralyzed for 10 days. What does Abigail not do? We're not told what she does. I would assume she looked after him. But she does not leave. Despite the fact that Nabal is foolish and it says a wicked man, she remains faithful. She does not flee. I think this shows that she is a great woman of honor. I think it also um, speaks to the importance of being careful who you marry. Now, in this day and age, she might not have had a choice. Um, marriages were usually arranged. And it had nothing to do with love, and the women had no choice or no say. But for for application for our day and time we definitely need to be looking at what kind of a man they are. Um, okay. There was a video that we were supposed to watch. And one of the things that they said was charm is deceptive and looks are fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's a Bible verse. And they said that she was very wise because she took the heat out of the situation. I like that term. Um, Now, all of the different words that we used for Abigail were these. Industrious, resourceful, risk taker, spunky, hospitable, sensible, gracious, honorable, prudent, bold, faithful, reconciler. And as we listed all of those names, who comes to mind The Proverbs 31 lady. Yes. So if all the ladies in the Bible, if we had to pick one that's a wonderful example of the Proverbs 31 lady, it would be Abigail. Okay. We read Abigail and then we went on to Deborah. And this story can be found in Judges 4 through 5. And we call Deborah a prophet and judge. And it says in Judges 4, verses 4 through 5, Deborah was the wife of Lapidoth, a prophet who had become a judge in Israel, and she held court under the palm of Deborah, and the Israelites would come to her to settle their disputes. Okay, we can derive from this that Deborah was very wise and a respected woman, maybe perhaps even um, an elderly woman. If she has um, developed a reputation for being wise and kind and, um, worthy of counsel. Um, she might even perhaps be a grandmother. We don't know. We're not told, but one day the Lord told her to tell the general Barak to assemble a 10,000 warriors to battle Sisera and the Lord would give them the victory. Now, Barak is not confident. Uh, we don't know why But what we do know is Barak made a strange request. He went to Deborah, and in verse 8, he said, I will go, but only if you, Deborah, go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you. But since you have made this choice, you will receive no honor, for the Lord's victory will be at the hands of a woman. Now, from that phrase, he probably assumed that she was talking about herself. But... She was actually talking about another woman named Jael, which I'm not going to give away. We will study about that later. Okay, so what we have learned from Deborah is she had to wear many hats. This was a time in Israel where it was a horrible time. Every man did right in his own eyes, they would follow after idols. Then they would come back to the Lord, and then we follow back to idols, and then follow the Lord, and it was just a constant back and forth, and when I've always heard about Deborah, I always thought of maybe like a feminist woman, and when I read the scriptures though, it seems different. With her response to Barak when he says, will you come with me, she says, I will surely go. Other translations should say, very well, and I almost picture her saying, very well, fine. (laughs) Um, I don't know. You can interpret it different ways. Um, But she she is actually called the mother for Israel. If you look in Judges 5, verse 7, they sing a song for Deborah and her feats. And it calls her the mother for Israel. I see her differently now. I see her almost as, oh my goodness, Israel is in dire straits. What are we going to do? It's almost like all hands on deck, all customs pushed aside. We've got to get down to the nitty gritty. And Deborah, for some reason, is the one selected and the one for the job. And she steps up. Um, last thing that we notice. Um, oh, the last thing that we said was that what happened as a result of this? Well, as God said, Israel did get the victory. So we see that she wore many hats. She was a wife, possibly a mother, possibly a grandmother, a daughter, a prophet, a judge. And also a military, an assistant to a military general. She had to go out with Barack onto the battlefield. So that was Deborah. The last lady we did this week was Rahab. And I said Rahab is one of my favorite women of the Bible. Um, her tagline is Believer, and her story can be found in Joshua 2. And we come to meet Rahab in strange circumstances. Um, God has told the Israelites that they're to take the city of Jericho. They're to take the city of Jericho. And while there, they find refuge in Rahab's place. Now, it says Rahab was a prostitute and she had a brothel. Um,. Not somebody you would think that would be a God follower or a God believer. But listen to what she says. Joshua 2, verse 8. I know the Lord has given you this land. We are all afraid of you. Everyone is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know that you, what you did to Shion and Og, completely destroying them. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Okay, this woman is definitely in the know. And running the type of business she did, she had men coming in and out. She probably heard all of the talk. And she had heard about the Red Sea, and how God saved them, and how God gave them the victory in city after city that they took. And I think that it's important to know she had a choice in what to believe. She's living in a pagan city, in a pagan society. She was not taught to obey the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Actually, she would be in the minority of thinking But she chose to believe. So, listen to what she says next. Now, swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father, mother, brothers, and sisters, and all their families. Okay, she is very bold. So, she reminds the men of her kindness to them But then ask for mercy herself, and not just for herself, but for her entire family. All right, then the men agree, and they say, okay, we'll do it, but you have got to put a red cord in your window so we will know not to harm you. If the red cord is is not there, we cannot be held accountable for what happens to you. So once again, a woman's actions are creating positive outcomes. Her audaciousness is bringing positive outcomes. And as we'll see in a minute, not just for us, but for everyone. Okay. One of the words that we, or some of the words we used to describe um, Rahab when we were talking was brave, insightful, and an opportunist. She didn't just house the men. She took that opportunity to also look after her family. And I love the image of the red cord. And I told our ladies in our study, if they wanted to, they could draw a picture of the window with the red cord. And one of our ladies, wonderful artist, did a beautiful job. And this is the quote from Angie Smith in her book, Mended. It's just beautiful. She said, The blood-red cord comes spilling from a window, desperately clutched on one end by a woman who believes in the God she has yet to meet. I love that. Fast forward to the New Testament. In Hebrews 11, there's the Hall of Faith, and it lists all the men who relied on their faith, um, And in the relationship with God, but interestingly, the only woman mentioned was Rahab. It says, well, they mentioned Sarah, but just in passing, in verse 31, Hebrews 11, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute did not die with all the others in her city who refused to obey God. I think that that's there for a reason. And as one of our other members in our group said, when you look at the lineage of faith from Tamar, the lineage of Jesus from Tamar, which that had incest to and rape, to um, Rahab, which had prostitution and she was a foreigner, to David, who committed adultery, murder, When you look at all of these things, it's almost like the message is very clear. No one is rejected by Christ. Everyone will be accepted who comes to him. And I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful um, image. Okay, the last thing we talked about when we were talking about Rahab was after being saved, Rahab's journey was just beginning. I'm sure she faced like many challenges. She exchanged an independent life for a life of rules and regulations. The food was different. The language was different. Everything was different. I'm sure she faced scrutiny from other women as she tried to adjust to the new way of life. And did anyone welcome her or was she always scorned for her previous life? We're not told. But what we do know is her act of bravery saved her, her family, and eventually all of us because her son was Boaz, and later we learn that Boaz marries Ruth. And who is Ruth? Ruth is the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. So we see here: if Rahab had not stepped out in bold faith, risking everything, things would be totally could be totally different for us today. The reason I like this Rahab story is because I have moved around a lot, and we're always kind of hoping that the next place we move will feel like home and it it just never does um and so what I like about Rahab is i I feel like her new place never felt like home um the food was different, the traditions were different her way of life everything for Rahab was different. And so sometimes we are called to a life that doesn't feel like home, even though it's God's will and where we need to be. But I think we need to remember that this world is not our home. We're always going to have probably that longing in our hearts that God put there for a reason. And it's for home. And it's not going to be quelched until... We get home finally in heaven. So, those are the three women that we covered this week. Again, if you are studying with us, the next three women are going to be Eve, and who used her audaciousness in a negative way. Hannah, who used her audaciousness in a positive way. And the five daughters, Azulia. Oh, hold on. The Five Daughters of Zelophehad, (laughs) I think. I'd never heard of them before. All right, so those are the three we're going to do next week, and I hope you enjoyed this week. If you want an art project, feel free to draw um, Rahab with her cord hanging from the window, her red cord hanging from the window. If you like to do the Bible journaling and the calligraphy, um, feel free to do the Psalm 1624. Pleasant words like honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. All right. Have a great day. Bye.